Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's video. Um, as you can see, we are without Josh today, so we'll do our best. It's a lot roomier. Yes, without his broad shoulders here. Um, today, we're going to keep talking about social relationships, as we have for the past couple of videos as we kind of work through this topic. Um, if you've missed them, the first two videos, we talked a lot about the importance of social relationships, the importance of having friendships, uh, the way they benefit your mental health, as well as some barriers and things that might make it hard to have social relationships. Um, so today, specifically, we're going to be talking about three ways that you stop yourself from having good social relationships or social relationships at all. Um, sometimes these are called thinking errors. Sometimes they're called cognitive distortions uh, in the clinical world. But I think we're just going to focus on the ways that we stop ourselves um, from having good social relationships. So what are, what are your, what's one of the things you see a lot when you're working with people in this area? Yeah, so I mean, these kinds of distortions or these things that stop us from having good relationships, there could be a million of them. But we picked three that are kind of the most common or things that we see a lot of. And um, one thing that I frequently talk with people about is that they feel like the other person is not putting in enough effort. Yeah, like uh, in, a, in a friendship, right? Right, right, in a friendship. Like, yeah. um, like... I'm putting in more effort than they are into the friendship, so they just they must not care as much as I do. Therefore, maybe we shouldn't be friends. Sure. Yeah, I, I have seen this one. Um, I almost feel like this is. I don't know. This is this is probably like a spinoff of like the idea that uh, kind of the personalization. Right, we're we always are going to view things through like a lens of somehow this is this is about me, and I'm making this like into some kind of personal thing. Right, they just don't care as much about me as I care about them. Uh, so this friendship's not gonna not gonna work. Right. Uh, does that make sense? I think it totally does. And you know, a lot of this depends on something that's called your attachment style, right? It's the way that you relate to other people. And for some of us, like people like me, I tend to be more anxious. So I tend to overdo it in relationships. Like people hear too much from me that I love them and that I think they're wonderful. <laughs> sure. I probably tend to show up for other people a little too much sometimes. To the point that sometimes I wonder if it starts to get a little on the suffocating side. So then when somebody's not doing the same for me, in the past I've had the tendency to say, well, they just must not care. When in all reality, they just have a different way of connecting in relationships. Maybe they don't need some of that constant reassurance to help them feel like the relationship is a good one or that it's something that they want. Maybe an interaction or two from them during the day is really all that they want, all that they need. Sure. Like they don't, they don't have that same feeling of insecurity that maybe some of the rest of us have. It doesn't mean they don't value the relationship. It doesn't mean they don't want it. But for some of us that are a little more anxious, that distance can feel scary. Yeah. Almost like, not that they're showing up not at all or in the wrong way. It's just not, they may not be showing up the way you're showing up or the way you expect them to. Right. So how do you shift some of that thinking so you can say like, yeah, when I show up in a relationship, I always make sure they know I, that I care and that I love them and that I'm there for them, but they may not do that for me. And how do I let that be enough? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's such a good question and I think it's kind of a hard one. So one of the things that I think can be really useful is when somebody starts uh, doing something or, or 
having some kind of interaction with you, it's important to not sit and think about all the things they're not doing, right? Well, they didn't do this. They didn't say it this mm. way. Don't think about all of the things that they're not doing or the absence of things all of the time. Instead, look at what things they are doing and take those into account. If the person is actually responding to your text, right? Well, it took them some effort to do that. Sure. So don't sit and pick apart the words that are in it or the lack of multiple text messages, right? Instead, take it for take it for what it's worth. Don't don't sit and discount the things that aren't there. Count the things that are there. Okay. I like that. Shift like just shifting your focus towards what what is happening and not yeah. what is not happening. Yeah. I like that. I feel like that's like a probably effective in a lot of anxious moments. <laughs> right. Regarding other people. Right. Well, and sometimes we have to recognize, like, what is our assumption? Like, we're assuming things sure. that the other person is not saying. I mean, obviously, if somebody totally ghosts you, like, they gave you a pretty clear message. Sure. Yeah. But if they're still responding to you, they're still talking to you, it's not fair to make the assumption that they just don't care about the relationship as much as you. They just might show up differently or they might have a different amount of space for the relationship in their life than maybe you do. Yeah. Sometimes I, when I talk to people about this, I kind of, uh, I like to almost view it as you have a, a specific role in your friendship sometimes. Um, like you're not always gonna, and, and the other person doesn't have the same role as you in a way, right? Right. Maybe you're the person who, like I have friends who will never like plan anything for us to get together. Right. They'll show up and they'll, they'll come hang out and it's fun. But in a lot of ways, I feel like that's my role in my, a lot of my friendships is like, I'm the one that sets it up and they'll come and hang out and it's a good time. And I could view that as like, oh, they don't really want to hang out. I'm always the one that has to invite them. Um, but it might just be my role in the friendship, right? This friendship might work because I am the one that's maybe more proactive about setting something up and they're always willing to do something fun. Does right. that make sense? <laughs> yes, because I'm actually the opposite person in the relationship. Like, if somebody else wants to plan something fun, I'm in. I don't want to have to have any hand in the planning. <laughs> sure, right. Like, I want you to just tell me, hey, here's this thing. Do you want to come? And the answer is probably going to be yes. Like, I do want to come. Yeah. But I'm terrible at planning this stuff. Like, that stresses me out. So I always sure. appreciate when I have a friend who will do some of that maybe, like, outreach part of it. And maybe my responses might be seen as a little bit uh, less engaged, but it's not really that I'm less engaged. It's just that like planning the fun stuff isn't really necessarily yeah. my thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're not showing up for your friends either. You're just, that's not your role maybe in that friend, in that dynamic. Right. Right. Well, and I think this maybe brings us to our second, our second distortion or the second way that we stop ourselves from having good friendships. And that is that in our friendships, we often expect that one friend can fill every role or fill all yeah. of our needs, right? Yeah. I see this one a lot. And uh, kind of this, like, you have a best friend and they're your best friend and nobody else's best friend. And you don't need any other friends because they're so great. And I think it's great to have a best friend. But if you expect them to meet all of your needs they're always gonna be the one they're always willing to hang out they're always gonna be there when you're upset all of those kind of things or even have all the same interests and want to go to the same things as you um you're gonna set yourself up for some disappointment because that's a lot to expect of one person right 
Well, and even if you are really, really good friends, friendships change over time. Yeah. And so there may be times in your life where the two of you have a lot of time for each other and meet a lot of each other's needs. And there may be other times in life where you're both so busy and where you're at in life is so different from each other that relating to each other in that same way just isn't possible. And unfortunately, a lot of times people end friendships in that kind of a space because it doesn't feel like it's sure. meeting their needs in the same way. And so then people are out looking for the next, like, where is my best friend? It's almost like a soulmate best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we, we kind of like set ourselves up with the incorrect expectations, just like going through school, right? Because in school... Like, I had a best friend going through school, and uh, in we were both in school, right? We had the same schedules, we had fairly similar lives, and we had lots of time to hang out. Uh, but after school, like, a lot of my friends, like, not everyone's on the same schedule anymore. Right. Right? I had some friends who got married, and some friends who had kids, and some friends who moved away. And all of a sudden, it's not, like, as convenient, maybe, right? And they, my friends aren't all there. Um, even when I think about like my best friend, who's been my best friend my whole life, our relationship looks different. We used to hang out probably six days a week <laughs> and now I, I'm lucky if I see him once a month, you know, right. uh, we keep in contact and things, but the friendship looks different over time. And, um, I can see why people would be like, well, this isn't meeting that need anymore. So I just don't need this friendship Right. where that might be setting yourself up for bad news. Right, for failure in this situation, yeah. right? Well, and it's not that I'm against having a best friend. I think that that's, that can be a really like fulfilling relationship for a lot of people. But I do think that it's important not to just be exclusive with one friend. For sure. And that's it, right? Yeah. Um, it's important to have lots of different kinds of friendships. And those friendships can kind of wax and wane over time. Maybe there are periods of time you're closer to somebody and periods of time that you're not. But it it's like... I don't know what's that old saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> yeah, <right>? yeah. <laughs> Instead, it's important to focus on lots of different social relationships and see people as being friends, acquaintances, better friends, closer sure. friends. Like there can be lots of different areas when it, or like uh, designations when it comes to friends. Yeah. And I, I, I think if you, even if you think about your own interests and hobbies and passions or whatever, you're going to have different friends who can connect with you on those different things. Right, I have certain friends who are more interested in talking about video games, and other friends who are more interested in talking about books, and other friend who maybe is more interested in talking about exercise, right? But not one friend who wants to talk about all of those things, and that's okay. Right. But because I have multiple friends that can fulfill that need, I I, ha I have somewhere to go. Right. Well, and you know, before before we started filming a couple minutes ago, you and I were talking about how sometimes people feel very threatened by their friends having other friends. Yeah. It's sort of like, look, we're best friends and nobody else can come yeah. into this equation. Like having more friends in the group is almost threatening. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think that is? Why do you think sometimes people feel threatened when their friends have other friends? That's a good question because that was very much me when I was younger. When I was like uh, in like junior high and high school, I had like really vivid memories of like some of my good friends hanging out with new people and being so stressed about it. Um, for me, I think it's like almost a fear of losing what you have, right? Because uh -huh. you obviously enjoy it and find some uh, some good in it, but also like uh, uh, you you go to like that immediate catastrophe of like oh, I'm being replaced, 
Yeah. And that's like not a good feeling. Right. Now there's going to be no room for me. Mm -hmm. It's almost that underlying feeling of not being good enough. Like, look, once somebody gets to know somebody else, then I'm not going to be good enough for them. I'm not meeting all of your needs. You need another friend. Like, right. What can I do? Like, then then it's my fault somehow. right? Right. That they need another friend. Right. I think that it would be really great if we could figure out how to not kind of have that like scarcity mentality, like that fear that there's just like not going to be enough to go around when it comes to friendship. And instead, all of us could just sort of embrace the idea that like the more friends, the merrier, right? Sure. The more of us, the better, uh, as opposed to I can only have one friend and they can only have one friend because that's not necessarily the way it works. All has to do with your mindset when it comes to that. Yeah. And oh, I feel like this leads us into our third way that we stop ourselves from having like fulfilling relationships. And that would be that when you do have a friendship, like you are always the one who cares so much more than the other person. Right. Right. So I think that that's something that we see people worry about a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I was talking to somebody just the other day and they were saying that, you know, they're kind of hanging out with a friend and their friend comes up and says, hey, are you doing okay? And they looked at their friend and they're like, yeah. They didn't open up at all about any of the things that were going on. And when I was asking the person, well, why not? Why, why didn't you, why didn't you tell them a little bit about what's going on with you? Because it would really be nice to have somebody who got it right now. And uh, the person I was talking to said, well, they didn't really care, right? And in friendships, we have a way of, of doing this a lot of times. We assume that we know what the other person is thinking or feeling. We assume that they don't really have as much interest as we think that they should have or that they're not trying hard enough in the sure. friendship. I almost feel like this like ties into all the, all the things we've been talking about, kind of are underlined by this idea of, like expectations, mm-hmm. right? If they don't show up in the way you're expecting or um, as much as you think they should, right? Or if you aren't responding how you expect yourself, right? So even self-expectations, self um, you're like sabotaging a lot of your potential relationships by, I don't know, trying to control it all. <laughs> right. Well, and it's interesting because we have certain expectations, but then lots of times we are our own worst enemies in having our, our our friend meet some of those expectations. So for example, like, oh, I wish this friend would text me back. And then they do, they text you back, but it's not full of like uh, all the fluffy words that you wanted to hear <laughs> sure, from them. Yeah. And so then, then it's all of a sudden like you're, they met that expectation, but now suddenly your expectation changed. You wanted more than that. And so now you're sitting going, well, but geez, they didn't even say all the fluffy things I wanted to yeah, hear. They didn't invite me to hang out. Right. Or they didn't seem to notice that I was having a bad day or, right. It's, it's like, even when somebody tries to meet our expectation, we often then change the expectation because it didn't feel good enough. Right. Yeah. And that's really so unfair to our friends. Sure. It's super unfair to our friends when we do that because how are they ever supposed to be good enough if we never let them be good enough? Yeah. We have to take what they're doing and be willing to accept it. You know, um, lots of times when I'm talking to people about social relationships, we talk about the idea that friendships are supposed to be reciprocal, right? I give, but I'm also able to receive. 
And most people don't realize that those are two separate skills. Sure. It's not one in the same. Some people are really, really good at giving and really, really bad at receiving. Like somebody tries to pay them a compliment and it's immediately dis disregarded or dismissed. And in a friendship, you have to be able to do both. You have to be willing to do some of the giving, but you also have to be able to do some of the receiving, whatever the other person is putting out there. It's not always an easy thing to do because it doesn't look exactly like we would want it to. Sure. Yeah, so if we could like, I don't know, if you could take one idea to like combat all three of these, would you stick with like the, uh, like what you said earlier about the, the first one we talked about? Or do you think there's a way we can kind of shift towards just having like a healthier overall mindset towards like our social relationships and towards friendships and making friends? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is actually, we're talking about all of these things that you can do as far as like your thinking. But the thing that I'm going to say is actually, it's going to sound completely unrelated, but I'm going to tell you why. When we get all of these thoughts rolling around in our minds, it's super easy to just try to throw another thought in there and try to make the other thoughts feel better. But then all you've got is like 10 million competing thoughts, thoughts yeah, running around sure. your mind. So I would actually say that probably one of the best interventions that you can use in a social situation, in a setting where you're trying to connect with somebody else, even if it's just over text, take your body, take a breath or two, and see if you can get your muscles to relax. If you relax your muscles, it signals to your body that this can be a safe space for you. And then you'll be open to giving and receiving. As long as you stay really rigid in your body and let all of the thoughts be the thing that's in control, it will be really hard to find yourself in a space where you feel safe enough to let other people be enough or not to overthink things. So a lot of it has to do with calming your body down, getting to a space where you tell yourself like, look, I'm okay. I can, mm -hmm. I can be good and safe in this spot. Um, and that can help you be more open to both giving and receiving. I like that. Kind of using that CBT, that cognitive triangle and saying, well, let's stop intervening at thoughts and let's try actions. Right. Uh, and like actually doing something. I like that. Yeah. You know, um, and maybe I would put in a plug for therapy here. You know, <laughs> sure. this is something that is really, really difficult for people. And when I sit here and say to you, oh, maybe you should practice feeling safe. And you're sitting there going, yeah, whatever, like relationships have not been safe for me in the past. Yeah. That's a, a good spot for you to say to yourself, so maybe I need some therapy yeah. because therapy could help you address some of the mistrust that you have in people as maybe kind of like a general theme. And if you haven't had some of those good, safe relationships, especially early in life, some of this stuff feels just like a outside of your wheelhouse, right? Yeah. You have to sort of go back and relearn how to feel safe in a relationship and how to identify healthy relationships. So, you know, some of this, I think you can work through on your own, but there does come a point where I think therapy really is kind of necessary. Yeah, that's a good point. I, there, you could definitely have experiences that when you were really young that taught you doing these things is not safe. Right. And so working through those will then make them a lot easier. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for today's video. If you have any questions or if you like what you saw, please like and subscribe and leave a comment and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks.